Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. Welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Dr. Aaron Barasano, who is the superintendent of schools for the Diocese of Orange. Dr. Barasano, welcome back to our program. Thanks, Rick. It's great to be here. And before we go any further, if you wouldn't mind leading us in a brief word of prayer, I'm sure we would all be thankful. Very good. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your presence here among us. And we ask you to send your blessings upon us as we uh, continue this good ministry of Catholic education. Please bless our school leaders, our teachers, our staff, our parents, and especially those students that you've entrusted to us. Please guide us that we may always walk closer to you. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name name of the Father, Father. and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to have you back. It's been a little bit of time since the last time we had you on. Yes. But you've been here now four years or so. It's like you got here just in time to experience COVID. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And help guide the the diocesan schools through all that. And we're now more or less, more than less, on the other side. We are. And it's it's good. So tell me, how are the schools doing in general? Well, in general, our, our schools, um, I feel uh, really, really proud of the work that we've done, not only through COVID, but really setting ourselves up to be strong throughout the challenges and uh, emerging in a much better place. So we're really happy with uh, our enrollment numbers now. We're still trending above pre-COVID numbers. We're about, wow, that's great. That, that is, it is fantastic. You know, we experienced an 8.5% growth in enrollment last year and um, finished at about 17,500 students. And right now, with uh, we had, we've just uh, opened the last, our final uh, elementary school had their first day yesterday. And so all the, all the schools are in session and um, we're, uh, we're at about 17,300 students. So uh, we're feeling pretty good about that. Okay. So when you say that we're, we've opened up, if there are parents who are experiencing again the common issues that come with government schools, public schools, uh, and would like to perhaps consider Catholic education, it still won't be too late. Oh, it's, you know, it's never too late. And our schools have what, what we consider a rolling admission. And so it is not too late, even within the, the first uh, weeks of school or the first months of school, to check us out, to, to bring your, your child, your family uh, over to our schools and enroll them in our schools. Now, it's not free to go to Catholic schools, but it is what we would call affordable. It's kind of like the extra car you didn't buy. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, the question then becomes, for families generally that have some difficulty, they can mm-hmm. do some... There's traditionally some help available as well. There is, yeah, and you can always talk to uh, to our, our principals about that. One of the things that uh, that we're really committed to is to um, ensuring that Catholic education is offered to to families who really, really desire it. And this is our way to uh, uh, expand our ministry and to evangelize. So there there is help available, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to come back to that because I, I think uh, there's a few issues I'd like to make sure we've covered a little bit. 
Full disclosure, I had been in Catholic education for a couple of decades myself and was a principal before I went back to get the Ph.D. and and do what I'm doing now. So I, I have kind of just enough background to get myself into trouble. You have weathered the last four years, and these have been really intense years on a number of different levels. What have been the biggest challenges you've had to overcome and how are we doing with the with the overcoming of those challenges? Yeah, I, I think um, you know some of the challenges. You know, we've we've all experienced challenges through these last uh, couple years, teaching differently, learning how to communicate differently. Uh, but I would say that really, as a um, as a private school system, one of the challenges really has been navigating that relationship between the public and private health protocols, safety protocols, things like that, that are public. Okay. And then how does that affect our our operation as a, as a private entity and that balance? And I, and I think that that has been uh, um, has been eye opening, to say the least. And there are um, are just a certain number of challenges, understanding that and then articulating that to our shareholders. OK, so let's let's go back a, a little bit. When COVID hit, all the schools throughout the state closed down. But the Catholic Correct. schools didn't stay as closed as the public schools did. How long was the diocese totally down? We were down three days. I mean, it was wow. it was a it was a Friday um, that uh, that we made the announcement, and um, over the weekend worked with some uh, some educational partners and uh, got some training together for our teachers. And I think we trained them Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Hit the ground running with remote learning. And, um, now, and how I, long were you in only remote learning? We were in remote learning for the remainder of uh, the, that, school that school year. So it was from uh, mid-March through uh, through June. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then the school stayed closed into the next year. Did the Catholic school stay stay remote only? No, we were able to reopen in September of 2020. And when I say reopen, for, for in-person instruction. And we did that. Our schools applied for waivers okay. um, from uh, the county health office, and we were um, we had to to show each school had to show their safety plan, their protocols, and um, and be approved by uh, the, the public health um, office. Now, in doing that, did you also have kind of a hybrid going on with remote learning available for those who needed it? We did. Those who would come down with COVID. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And so um, so that year was a lot of uh, extra work on the part of teachers to ensure that uh, those families really who needed that uh, remote option or that hybrid option, whether they were uh, the students sick themselves or living with someone who had come down with COVID and we had all the quarantine guidelines to follow. So all of those things, it really is, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, kind of thinking back to, yeah. to those days, <laughs> it was a, it was a remarkable feat. But really, our teachers and our principals, I just, I can't say enough good things about them and and they are the reason that, that we have been successful. And I say we, you know, our, our system of Catholic schools, their commitment to the children and the families that were entrusted to them is um, is just monumental. And I'm just so grateful that we have people who are so, so committed to, to our mission in our classrooms. The reason I bring that up is because I know that the schools that closed down, which in California was all of them for quite some time, a lot of, of education was lost mm-hmm. in those right. students. They're behind. Yes. But the Catholic schools, in staying actively in, uh, open 
for the majority of students, they kept more or less on pace, did they not? We really have, no, and, and you know, we've been doing a, a, so that's important a, 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 d- yeah. a deep analysis of, um, you know, we use the STAR testing yeah. for our students. And um, while we have seen, I would say, a, a couple percentage points drop, we've rebounded quite well, and that will set our kids up to be on track uh, for the remainder of their educational career. Breaks my heart, our uh, public school counterparts. Those kids have lost three years of instruction. I was say it's a couple of years. And it takes, for every year of instruction that you lose, it takes three years to catch up. So they're never going to, they to are, be caught up. That's, again, a huge testament to the uh, commitment of our teachers and our Catholic school system to keep those kids on track. Well, what is interesting to me uh, as a as a former educator, though I, I work with college students now, but what's interesting to me is that you're going to end up having in the public schools teachers that they may be using some of the old curriculum. They know their kids can't handle some of it, right. and they're going to have to, I hate to use the word dumb it down, but they're going to have to slow it down. Slow it down, sure. Whereas in the Catholic schools, they're not. Right. Which means if you want to to bite the bullet and catch your kids up, this might be the right time to enter Catholic schools. Absolutely, and what what we've seen in the in the last two years, um, where we've we've welcomed a lot of families, maybe who started out in the public school system and, and came to us um, when their local public school was not reopened for in person instruction. We have had to address that learning loss already, already yeah. in our mainstream classrooms. And so we do a, a lot of, uh, of inclusive education. We've trained up our teachers to, uh, to ensure that the needs of all students and all learners are met, uh, are met in our schools. Are the young ones masking or not masking? No masks. <laughs> no masks. We, uh, we started this year. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, so good to see, uh, <laughs> see their faces and their, their smiles on that first day of school. So, it's so, so no masks. It's important for, for little ones, especially, <laughs> yeah. to be able to see faces. Yes. There's a lot of developmental issues that come with that. It comes even just with the, the ability to, to recognize the phonemes coming out of a right. mouth. Right. And you can't see that under a blue mask. Yes. So that's good. And we also now know a little bit more about the effectiveness or lack thereof of masking, especially without being able to follow protocols, which most six-year-olds really can't. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it was, a, it was yeah, definitely a, a, a chore on that part. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that they're, they're, un, they're unmasked in general. Yes. I take it that there's an option available if they want to? Yes. And if, if you know, if, want if parents want them to and um, if uh, they've been exposed or um, have a cold, you know, things like that. But there are no requirements. Yeah. One of the things that we did find out was that masking can be somewhat effective for someone who actually has something. Right. But protecting you from someone else, it the studies are coming back bad. Anyway, so what we're looking at then in the Catholic schools at, at the end of and at the waning out of the pandemic yes. is that the Catholic schools are not only in a better situation academically with their kids, but by being open to taking in new kids, there mm-hmm. might be even a rescue plan available. Abs- for kids. Absolutely, no, and um, and and we are are, are ready, um, willing to to do the work and to partner with our parents to ensure that our kids have the best educational plan possible. Um, with them, of course, that Catholic identity, which is which is what we're all about. Well, and when we come back on the other side of the break, I want to make sure we we start talking about the traditional things about Catholic education. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure for this first section, we talked about, you know, the, the, the elephant in the living room that, my gosh, how are the schools doing in the wake of COVID? Well, 
we now really have two tracks, the Catholic track and the non-Catholic track. And the Catholic track is doing quite well in the wake of this thing. We, we really are, you know, and I, I feel very confident in saying our, our schools are stronger than they've ever been. I, I think our uh, we have the, we have the best teachers. We're supporting them. They're well trained. We have um, school leaders who are just knocking it out of the park. And um, again, that commitment to mission, I think, is really what has set us apart and allowed us to continue to move forward when so so many others in the world of education were just stuck in their tracks. Well, and it's disturbing for me to hear some of the the comments that are being made by some of the larger organizations, some of the teachers' unions and the like, Mm -hmm. that seem to, again, focus more on the adults who are serving the children than the children themselves. Yeah. To have a mission the way the Catholic Church does where... Catholic education does not exist unto itself. Catholic education exists as a ministry of Jesus Christ to her to her, her parishioners. Yes. We are talking with Dr. Aaron Barasano, who is the superintendent of schools for the Diocese of Orange. And we have been discussing just briefly now a little bit about uh, what's happened the last couple of years and why Catholic education, by keeping their heads about what to do with the pandemic and keeping kids for the most part in in active physically present education has helped empower these students so that way they're still doing a very good academic job a strong job they're on track and how other systems may not be but right. yet nevertheless there's still hope when we come back i want to talk about that catholic mission you mentioned and why that's so important You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back. back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Dr. Aaron Barasano, who is the superintendent of schools for the Diocese of Orange. And this last segment, we were just talking about how the public schools in general have had difficulty catching up in light of staying Zoom for so long, right? Uh, being remote for so long, whereas the Catholic schools, for the most part, even those who were, there were some people who stayed remote for a number of reasons. Yes. There were high-risk people that right. were in there. But because the schools stayed open, mm-hmm. the general curriculum kept pace. Yes. And that's an important thing people aren't, aren't thinking about. The non-Catholic schools did not necessarily keep pace. They're behind. And yes. some of these kids are behind a couple of years. Right. But the Catholic schools never got behind. And so even those who who had to stay remote benefited from having that, I'm sure. But the primary benefit of going to a Catholic school, even though we love to talk about how successful we are academically, the primary benefit is more than the academics. Talk to me a little bit about the Catholic mission. Yes. Well, you know, the mission of Catholic schools really is the teaching mission of, of our church. And so it really is this uh, this beautiful opportunity for us to evangelize our young people and our families through their educational experience and um, we do this through a solid uh, faith formation program that's integrated into everything that we do. So we're not just talking about a standalone religion class. It's really woven into the fabric of the daily life of, of a student and uh, and their parents. And, um, you know, we've already talked about those strong academic programs. And then that that other piece that's a real hallmark of Catholic education is service. 
and our students um, serving not only their their local communities but uh, but reaching out to to the global community as well. So let's let's parse a little bit of some of that. So when we're talking about coming into a a ministry of Jesus Christ, the Catholic Church looks at Catholic education as a way of looking at the truth of God out there. Right. And our children need to be well acquainted with that. Which means you're not necessarily, this is not a fundamentalist approach to education. No. This is, this is a, the, an academically sound educational experience for everyone, but it's approached from a faithful perspective. Yes. And everyone on campus, all the way down to the janitor, is considered a minister of Jesus Christ. That's, that's right. And we ensure that, um, not only are we recruiting and hiring the right people, we're, we're very uh, clear about who we are and what our mission is. And um, and bringing people along with that and ensuring then that we support their spiritual growth. You know, we say that our, our teachers are in the front lines. They, they are the ones that have that daily contact with our children and with the parents. And uh, we need to ensure that they are well formed and um, and are offering them the right tools to grow in their own not only knowledge, but also their practice of the faith. So just to be clear, then, as we go through the curriculum, the curriculum on science and math it's going to be similar, though I would say better presented and better engaged. Yes. It's going to be similar to the curriculum that's, that California Unifieds are doing. Oh, sure. I mean, we still, um, you know, we, we have curricular standards mm-hmm. that we follow, and we um, present that through the lens of, of the Catholic faith. So when we get into, like, high school and you're taking biology, yes. we're not just teaching God created – we're teaching, well, okay, what we have is the mechanism for how God created That's it. Right. It works according to the laws of science because God chose to work that way. That's right. That's right. So in the end, we have AP courses. We have all the courses that any other place would have, except we probably are presenting them better. Yes. In our opinion, we're in, presenting ab- them better. Absolutely. And we can yep. show some evidence for some of that as yes, well. Yes, we can. So you, you've got, now if you go to a regular Catholic high school, and we've got several of them, uh-huh. you can take uh, AP coursework, and by the time you're done with your senior year, you could probably take enough AP coursework to really skip a year in a college that accepts AP tests. You could, absolutely. If, um, you know, if, if that's the, the path that, uh, that you choose as a, as a student, then uh, you really could uh, be well prepared and well on your way to, to having some of those uh, college uh, credits under your belt. One of the things that makes the difference, though, is that the students who are in Catholic school from elementary on into high school, mm-hmm. they've been exposed to teachers who treat this as a ministry. Yes. And that's not to say, nor do I want to ever denigrate some of the very good uh, non-Catholic teachers in government schools. Some of them are very dedicated. Yes. But to have all of your teachers and all of your staff members look at this as a ministry of God and that their their primary purpose is to do something beyond themselves that isn't ultimately for their career makes a difference, doesn't it? It makes a difference. Those are some of those um, um, intangibles, right, that um, that absolutely make a difference in the course of one's life. And so, you know, I, I tell my teachers and um, and I've I've said this before. Our goal in Catholic education really is to prepare our students for heaven, college, and career in that order. <laughs> heaven, it. college, and career in that order. Okay. And so, um, you know, that's that's our, our mission, and that's that, that call to uh, to ministry. Well, and in, in thinking about that, I remember a study that came out from CARA, which is a, an academic group out of, I think, Georgetown mm-hmm. that does work, um, a Pearl and Gray study on what they call disaffiliation. Yes. 
And that was a pretty important study that came out that showed that students who went through a few years at least of elementary uh, education as a Catholic in a Catholic school and high school were incredibly less likely to disaffiliate, I mean, yes. move away yes. from the Catholic Church. Yeah. So we talk a lot about a lot of people will complain. My kids, I raised them Catholic and they all left. Right. Well, how did you raise them Catholic? Yeah. Did you drop them off at, at CCD or did you, which that's important. That can be very good right. if you're engaged with right, that. Right, right. But here you've got every day. They're surrounded by people who believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in serving God. They believe in a lifetime that's lived in service. And they're exposed to people who do, who do that. Yes. It used to be they were exposed to nuns. Now right. they're exposed to lay people Correct. who also do that. And yet they're living it out as moms and dads who also work as teachers. Most of them are anyway. Right, right. And that creates real living role models, too. It really does. And and I think role models not only for our children, but for our parents as well. Yeah. And um, we, we need good role models. And um, I'm, I'm a parent just as you are, Rick. And um, it's tough. It's tough. And we need to make sure that we're banding together, right, and have yeah. good, strong role models for our, for our children and, and for ourselves, quite honestly. Well, and let's talk a little bit about that community that forms for parents let's just just from a mathematical perspective most of the schools in the diocese of orange are one or two classes per grade right? correct yes so and i would say probably most of them are one class per most grade, of them but are some yeah. of them are, are a little bit we bigger have, uh-huh. but that means you're going to know everyone in your kid's class and yes. probably everyone in both classes right. by the time you're done so let's see here if you start off let's say you have three maybe four kids over time. Mm-hmm. And you start off with your first kid in kindergarten, and the kids are roughly spaced three years apart. They're not Irish twins. <laughs> and by the time you're done from kindergarten through eighth grade in just a, a Catholic elementary junior high school, you're there 25 years. Yes, you are. Yeah. Which means you've been calling other parents for homework issues, right. carpooling with yes. other parents, going to their birthday parties, learning all about the wonders and foibles of your fellow families. Mm-hmm. And we all know that parents have a, have a lot of foibles. But the bottom line is you become close friends with these people. Yes. You're forming your own community. You here. really are. You can't do that the same way in an elementary school that has eight classes per grade, six classes per grade. Right even four classes per grade, Mm -hmm. uh, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. And it's just a a different holistic experience. And that community, you know, as you said, become lifelong friends. But um, in many instances, they become family. They become family. So by the time they get to one of the high schools, they've already developed this network of friends. So now you've got a whole bunch of people that are (laughs) going to go through this with you. Yes. That's a very good thing. It it really is. So when we're talking about someone, a family coming in for Catholic Uh education, we're not just really accepting the child or really accepting the family. We we really are. And Catholic education really is is built upon uh, the understanding that parents are the primary educators of their children. And we are there to partner with the parents and with the families. So in in that regard, there's, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in the next section, but the focus really is on partnering with the parents. Yes. So that the parents are empowered both as an individual group of parents, a, a mom and a dad, but also the group of parents per class and sometimes multiple classes right. because you've got multiple kids yep. often in the same school. So you get to know all these parents in, in different ways, but you go closer together. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
again, I've experienced it my, myself as a parent. I've done my time on, on the PTO and uh, <laughs> you know, being a room parent and all of those things. And it really is just the, the best way to get involved in your child's education and to have a, a community to support you in uh, raising up your child. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing. One of the things I, I would have to say probably had to hurt a lot was that all of the extracurricular material had to be essentially dropped for two years. It really did, yes. And that was so important. When I was a principal, that was a very important part of building community. Yes. Because whether you still used a festival or whatever you, mm-hmm. you had as a major fundraiser, at the end of the year you had a gala or whatever, you had a number of different smaller things in yes. between, and there's always... We used to com- complain as about nickel and diming, but the bottom line is some of that's very important socially. Is that coming back? It is. You know, the festivals that you mentioned, the galas, yeah. yes, we're uh, we're looking forward to uh, to what we hope will be just a normal a normal Getting school back year. To normal. Getting back to normal, yeah. Because yeah. all of that, it was funny because when we would do the the festival at, at the school that I uh-huh. used to administer, it was a four day thing. It oh, went from yeah. Thursday through Sunday. <laughs> you had a ride company coming in. We'd set up all these booths, and all of the parents had to volunteer a certain uh-huh. amount of time. Yeah, there were no exceptions to it. Even if you were handicapped, we'd find something for you to do. <laughs> And that meant that you had to actually get involved and be involved and get to know people and work with them. And there is no better way to develop friendships than giving of yourself with blood, sweat, and tears. That's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Moving chairs or setting things up, tearing things down, you know, selling tickets at the festival. Absolutely. And it is funny because you start complaining about this as a parent, but once you you begin to realize as time goes by, this is how I built some memories with the people that I now go to birthday parties for uh, as adults. Sure. And it's, it is really important. So that Catholic community from the mission of the Catholic church Mm -hmm really is an important selling factor for the schools. Oh, very, very much so. And, um, you know, and I think we, we really saw that through, uh, the, these last two years at how important that what community is and, and what, yeah. uh, what we lost when, uh, when that was taken away from us. And now it's coming back. Yes. And the, there is an intentional drive to get back what we can or what should be brought back anyway. Right. Not everything right. I think should be brought back, right. I think about it, <laughs> having been an administrator, but most of it actually had redeeming value or we wouldn't have kept it anyway. That's right. Yeah, That's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. So most of it's coming back. Wow. We are talking to uh, Aaron Barisano, and Dr. Barisano is the superintendent of schools for the Diocese of Orange, and we've been talking about both in the first section about why Catholic schools in staying physically open were able to maintain the curriculum so that essentially there is no real gap, Mm -hmm. not a real measurable gap between where they should be and where they are, whereas opposed to uh, most other schools, there's a sizable gap measurable in years. And then we just talked a little bit about uh, the community and part of that mission. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the hotter issues that are out there that the Catholic Church has had to deal with as well and how Catholic schools have had to deal with them. And when we come back, we will tackle some of those. You're listening to Rick Howick. I am the host for Orange County Catholic Radio, and I'm with Aaron Barisano, Superintendent of Schools, and we will be right back. Back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California, on the K 
campus of Christ Cathedral, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Dr. Erin Barrasado. She's smiling at I that. love that. That's, that's a great tagline. I can't take credit for that. That actually came from a friend of mine who runs St. Joseph Radio that I worked with for years out there. And she thought that was a great tagline. We've been using it ever since. So thank you, Lou. But bottom line is, it is crystal clear, especially as we look at what our ministries are doing and the prominent, most prominent ministry, really, in the diocese, if you just look at numbers of people engaged in ministry, Mm -hmm. both paid and unpaid, is by far the the Catholic schools. Absolutely. And they are holding their own. They are doing better than they were doing before. My understanding is no schools are closing this year. Right. And in fact, you're holding your own on enrollment. That's all very good. But there's lots of things that are out there right now that parents are very worried about. Yeah, yeah. A number of solutions have come from the philosophy that the Catholic Church has that parents are the primary educator of their children. Mm -hmm. How is that a little different from how, say, uh, some of the, like like Loudoun County in Virginia has approached the perspective? And we have some people in California who have been pushing in some of these directions. Uh How is the Catholic school really effectively, practically a different experience than that? Yeah, well, I I think, um, you know, we touched upon it a a little bit in the previous section about this commitment to teaching the truth and being grounded in, in the truth. And so, um, so that really drives, um, what we teach and, and how we teach. As we, we hear these things, we read these, these things in the newspaper or, or news stories, uh, I think that, that we could all agree that the message that we teach in, in many ways is, uh, is countercultural, right? And yeah. so we're, we're really up, up against that. And so how do we stay true to the truth and yeah. ensure that our Catholicity is not watered down, and we continue to create the missionary disciples that we're so uh, committed to. Is it fair to say that Catholic schools, in in some ways, is is a refuge again for families that want to have a? I don't want to use the word traditional, but I, I kind of have a traditional right, right. approach to education. I absolutely think it's it's um, it's more than fair to say that. And again, we we exist in in a time in where. Those values are being questioned. They're being attacked even. Like never before. Like it's, never before. Yeah. Like never before. And so um, we absolutely are a refuge uh, um, for those values. When Catholic schools first began 150 years ago or so in mm-hmm. this country, a lot of the drive for it was that the public schools actively discriminated against Catholic children. Right. And so the, they were a refuge then. But the society itself didn't really try to... to experiment in jettisoning some of its traditional Christian values, sure. their application to Catholics wasn't so hot. <laughs> so the Know Nothing Party and yeah. the, the whole group that yeah. came along. And Catholic education kind of grew as a necessity, as a refuge. And it then became, in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, really a, a hallmark for great education yes. that happened to also be focused on Catholic faith. And so the, you had a lot of people who just kind of looked at Catholic schools as being well, they're they're like the public schools, only they have a Catholic overlay. Even though you, those of us who are in it, no, 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 it's the other way around. It's, yeah. a, it's a Catholic education <laughs> right. that has a, an educational overlay. Right, right. But that's that's neither here nor there. It, there was no great 
discord. There was no great separation, anger, frustration that goes on between groups of people and how to run a school. Right, right. That exists out there right now. And there are places where parents have become the enemy. There are places where how we teach our children about sensitive topics, Mm -hmm. about sexuality, about gender identity, what that means. How are Catholic schools approaching some of those tough issues? And I warned you before we started, I was going to get into some difficult issues today. No, and I think it's important that that we talk about them. And, um, you know, again, that goes back to, uh, to truth. And, um, and who we are as people of faith. You know, some of these, these tough issues, or, or that we would say that are, are gaining a lot of traction, you know, in the media and in, and in our culture, we're not immune to them in Catholic schools. And so, of course, they are just part of the, the fabric of humanity. You know, we ensure that, that we're always true to the doctrine and the teachings of our church. And so when we talk about things such as uh, sexuality and gender identity, recognizing that God created man and, and woman and recognizing that we have families who are struggling, who are really, truly struggling. So, yes, we um, we have our doctrine, we have our church teachings, and we have that human factor and that pastoral approach to companion families and to support them when they are struggling. And so um, I think that, that that is really the beauty of Catholic education to be able going back to that community, right? Yeah. To to support one another on in these um in these very real and human struggles. So when we're talking about things that have come up in in uh, the the public sector, the Catholic philosophy about God's role in creation is still approached in the Diocese of Orange as the norm. Yes. And that there's compassion for those who are experiencing issues with the norm mm-hmm. because there are, there are people out there who I believe there are some people out there that have jumped on board and have, have bought into a hype, but there are genuinely people who are struggling yes. with things such as their sexuality or their gender identity or whatever. How do you approach those topics, those people? For example, if, you know, I, I know that we have a number of people that come in from divorced families, uh-huh. okay, that doesn't really enter into the discussion right. about who gets in, right? What about people that might have two moms or two dads? Mm-hmm. If they present themselves to the school, how do you handle that? Well, I think, um, again, love, right? A- approach it with love, compassion, community. We're very clear about who we are as a community of faith. So if you're joining us to mm-hmm. understand where we're coming from. Right. But do you exclude those groups of people from coming in if they are willing to acknowledge where the school is coming from? No, we would not exclude them. Um, again, that, that dialogue, that understanding it, to establish that is, um, is so very important as someone is entering the, the community. And I would say that that goes along for, for anybody entering the community. There's a compassionate part. That's being played out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So in the end, we're still approaching it from the perspective that God created and there is a norm. Yes. But that there are many people. (laughs) We we have had the fall. Uh, I don't mean the season. (laughs) We've had the fall of humanity. Yeah. Therefore, we have things that don't always follow the norm and we're compassionate about how we approach those. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So if a parent is going to enroll their child into kindergarten or first grade, 
what level, and I, I realize we're talking now about sensitive topics, yeah. but what level of conversation are those kids going to encounter inside the classroom and in the curriculum? You know, one of the things that um, that we've had for a long time in Catholic schools in, in terms of, of the curriculum is a family life curriculum that's developmentally appropriate and really focuses on the dignity of creation. And so from our, you know, first graders all the way up through uh, through high school, really adding on to to that conversation and being being created in the image and likeness of God and the beauty of creation. I think all of all of those things are really really important topics that we start with our children when when they're young. And we do acknowledge that we're not immune from any of that in our schools. That's right. Before I became a principal, I was a dean of students at a high school. And I can tell you that we have all of those issues yes. that come into play, and then some. Uh, and and that's it. These are these are human issues. Where yeah. um, you know we we certainly don't proclaim that that we live in an ivory tower that we're, that we're not immune to these, and we're in the business of education and of evangelization. Those are those are very human interactions. But the approach is going to be markedly different from where many in the public schools are going. That's right. That's right. You know, again, we. Uh, are very clear about who we are and um, what our church teaches and and what we believe in. And we have the model of Jesus as as a model of compassion. And so it is a both and, I would say. It was interesting when when you start assessing how open Jesus was and we look at like the Mm -hmm. woman caught in adultery and after everyone leaves and drops their stones, starting with the ones who've been around the longest and know better. Uh, he, he's left alone with the woman, and he says, "Neither do I condemn you." But then he adds one more more mm-hmm. thing: "But go and sin no more." Right. It's it, from the Catholic perspective, we are going to to meet you where you are. Yes, we're going to work with you the best we can. But it's from the perspective that there is a truth, and that's it. And that I, I think that was so well said. And go and sin no more, and that is then the transformation, yeah. right? So that that's exactly it. And we will not shy away from who we are. And when I say we, um, being the, the church, a, a church of believers and the truth, and we can we can approach it with compassion. So these topics are going to come up. They're going to yes. come up in an age-appropriate way. But because they're in society, they're going to be discussed, but they're going to be discussed from a faithful perspective. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and, and again, going back to um, ensuring that our teachers are equipped to have you those conversations. You, you, we are, you, we are, in services, I presume, up the wazoo. Uh, yes, <laughs> and, um, and you know, really, really good educational and faith-filled partners that yeah. uh, that we partner with to ensure that um, that teachers, again, are, are formed in the faith, are proclaiming the gospel in, in the words that they say, in the way that they act, and um, are able to uh, to have developmentally appropriate uh, conversations with uh, with children as these things uh, come up, because they, they will absolutely come up. A few years ago when I did this, all of our teachers had to go through theological training, essentially. Mm-hmm. Are they still having to do that? They are. They are. What what basics are to that program? Just we, um, yeah, so so we work with um, our uh, Office of Evangelization and Faith Formation, and um, there's an Emmaus Institute that... Um, you know, really, it's it's um, based on the catechism of the, of the Catholic Church, so not reinventing the wheel. But they go through actual coursework. They act. They go through actual coursework. I've taught a couple of the and courses. Over the course of are, a couple of years, it is, they have to do it, and it then is there's maintenance cert- work. There is, do, yeah. yeah, to get certified as a um, as a catechist, really. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in the end, when we're talking about Catholic education, it really is an island almost out there for parents to to look toward, right? knowing that when they put their children here, they're going to be as safe as we can make it in our society. 
Yes. So if you were looking at where we are right now, this is one of the few places of of almost respite that parents can find. You know, it it really is, and um, we're we just we exist at such a an, an interesting time right now, and um, so many challenges. And as I said, our message and our methods really are are countercultural at uh, at this time. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the role of parents, but then I want you to tell me where we go from here. Okay. So we've got one section left, and I want to make sure we have a chance to talk about where the hopes and dreams are for Catholic education. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Dr. Aaron Barasano, who is the superintendent of schools, and we're going to talk about where the schools are going when we come back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today has been Dr. Aaron Barasano. And before we go any further, I want to make sure I take a moment to thank you, Dr. Barasano. Your schedule, especially during this season <laughs> where schools are starting, yeah. is huge, and I appreciate very much. <laughs> You take the time to come on in oh, my here, pleasure. and we'll thank Nancy later. Okay. <laughs> bottom line is, thank you so very much for coming in, and thank you so very much for being willing to talk honestly, openly about some very difficult topics. Mm-hmm. But one topic that we only really touched on a little bit was the role of, of the parents. We talked about it from the perspective of how parents benefit from having a great community, but there are trends in parts of the public educational mm-hmm. arena where parents are being not only discounted, they're being actively discouraged from being yeah. from involvement. What is the Catholic school vision of the parental role? And how about you listening to them? Yeah, yeah. So, no, I think parents, um, we, we can't exist without our parents. I mean, quite quite honestly. And um, as I said, our, our mission of Catholic education is always in partnership with parents, in partnership with parents, to uh, to educate and raise their children as uh, as people of faith, and do you um, have school boards. We do, we do. Our, our, they're not governing. Boards, they're not though. governing boards. They're consultative boards or advisory boards. One, you know. But in, there are rules for sharing, and and there's a lot that's shared with those boards and interaction absolutely. and collaboration that goes on. Yes, with those yes, there is. Yeah. So how does that work? Do they do they just get appointed? Do they have elections? Is it a hybrid? You know, it's it's a hybrid, and I would say that it um, and it varies school to okay. school. Um, we also have, in addition to an advisory board, usually um, a PTO or a, a that's parent. Like a PTA. A without the politics, or at least theoretically. And that's exactly what it is. And those groups usually are tasked with um, some of those things that we've talked about, those fundraising things. The festivals, the galas. The festivals, the galas, the community building events, the... The room parent things, all of all of those, um, you know, really, really important things to our school communities. That uh, it gives a great opportunity for parents to get involved in their child's education. They help you get involved. That's yep. was all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So when we're talking about parental involvement, um, I, I know that it's gotten so negative in certain areas. I, I go back to some of the stuff going on in Virginia right uh-huh. now, but. We don't really have that as an issue in Catholic schools. We don't. We don't. I do think over the last two years, there were certain times when um, when maybe parents did not feel that they were being heard, when we had to follow certain safety guidelines and um, 
we, uh, we again, we were very, very clear that we would follow, um, and, you know, any public health uh, guidelines and things like that. And so, um, so absolutely, there, there are times that uh, that parents aren't going to agree with what we're doing. But you know, when it comes to health and safety, we we are are held to really high standards and and have to ensure that that we're following those guidelines. Realistically, and you don't have to agree with this, but realistically, they pay your salaries, and in the end, you can't exist without them paying the sure. salaries, which sure. means you cannot have major issues right. with your parents long-term for any school to survive. That's right. That's right. And now that's not the primary reason for, for reaching out to the parents, but there is a practical element right. to it. So what are the hopes and dreams for the school since you've got really such a, a wonderful opportunity to sail from here, especially, yeah. I hate to say it, but in, in, in comparison to the likely vision of the other schools around you? Right, right. You know, one of the things that we're we're really excited about over the past two years, as we've um, we've increased in enrollment, we've had families come to us from uh, from public schools. A real need has uh, has emerged to ensure that we're meeting all the needs of all learners. And so, really digging deep and supporting our teachers, doing some some really again good professional development in uh, inclusive education, in uh, universal divine, d- design for learning, all of these these really good things to uh, to ensure that we can meet the needs of all learners. Really looking forward to that, whether it be neurodiverse learners or... Um, so we're talking kind of like special education issues for a lot of this. You're able to meet the needs we, of a number of students. Yes, we are. You yes. cannot meet the needs of... Every right. Though. We don't have the resources. We to do we, we don't have the resources, but uh, but we've been able to uh, to really expand our reach, and that's something that um, that really really excites me. You know, now more than ever, mm-hmm. our kids just um, they they need that support, and our parents need that support. You know, one of one of the other ways, not only in um, in the way our students learn, but in those additional support services, and so in the realm of education, we call that SEL, right? So so emotional learning, right. Making sure that, uh, again, teachers are well equipped, but that the services in our schools, so whether that be school counselors or, um, you know, places, safe spaces for, uh, for kids to go to, uh, to share what they've been going through, we've really, really expanded on those services in our schools. So we have people set up throughout the, the diocesan system to help kids that might have mild special needs. Right. Those kids who might have some some mild learning disabilities, yes, or those that might have might be slightly on the autism spectrum. Yes, uh-huh. um, there are a lot of students who fit on that spectrum these days. There are a lot of They're students. Being, more and more are being identified. That doesn't necessarily mean it's growing. It just means we're getting better at I th- identifying. I think so. Yes, and that actually has been met. I understand by by Catholic schools, especially here by working well with some of the, the issues that are presented by right. those. And, and I think that that goes back um, to what we were talking about, too, that partnership with parents. But we also have the ability to engage students on the other end of the spectrum, those yes. who are high achievers, right. not only when they get to high school, but also um, I know in, in my school we had the winner of the state championship for science for a couple of years in a row. And he's, uh-huh. he's now doing, I think he's doing a, 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 a double doctorate. Wow. He wants to be a doctor. So, uh, but that's been a few years yeah. ago. So you have programs available to help focus those right. who are in the high-end yes. high achiever groups. Absolutely. And again, not uh, that's no longer just reserved at the high school level. I mean, we, we see that in our elementary schools as, as well. So really, really meeting a, a diverse uh, needs of, of our student population and, um, and partnering with parents to do so. What are the hopes for uh, the future? 
when we're talking about structural future uh-huh. hopes. Are you looking at, at just maintaining? Are you looking at expanding? Are you looking at transitioning? Where are we going from sure, here? You nah. mentioned earlier this year, n- nothing's really changing a whole lot. We're kind of right as far as structure goes. Well, as far as structure goes, yeah, yeah. But um, no, looking ahead, um, we would we would love to be able to uh, reopen maybe some of those uh, school campuses that have been closed. Wow, and um, and to serve those those communities in the way that they need it. And so, you know, I, that sounds uh, that sounds very, very vague. But, <laughs> but you know, um, w- one of the things that we don't offer here in the, in the Diocese of Orange is uh, um, a dual language immersion school. And really finding the best community for that um, is something that we're investigating right now and conducting feasibility studies to That's see fantastic. if this is if this is something that uh, that meets the needs of community. Also, early childhood centers. A lot of our schools have their own um, preschool. I think about half of our elementary schools have a preschool attached preschool to them. TKs. But um, yeah. is there um, a place that we would you know may, is it a benefit to the community to have a centralized? Early childhood center, and so so these are some of those uh, those things as we uh, we evolve and um, look to the future that we're really really excited about. Now I I know that you're also involved with some non diocesan Catholic groups that are engaged in putting schools together. Yes, how's that going? It's it's great. We're um, we're so excited. Next fall we'll be opening a Cristo Rey Orange County school. Oh wow! And um, Cristo Rey is an organization that has, I think, like four days of education yes. and one day, and usually when they also do like another day in the weekend where the kids work with a company like yep. an internship. That's exactly it. Where they not only learn, but they also then that money they would earn goes toward their tuition yes. to keep the costs down. Right. Right. It's a fantastic program, and it's all over the country, but it's not diocesan. It's not diocesan. But it would be affiliated, and you'd have oversight that's, over what they do. That's right. We, we would definitely, um, as we've gone through kind of this building process, if you will, for the last couple of years, um, worked very, very closely in collaboration with uh, with the Cristo Ray Network. So when we're talking about where Catholic schools are going in the wake of all of the turmoil and mm-hmm. problems, the future looks pretty bright. It really does. It's it's an exciting, I, I think, a very exciting time to uh, to be in Catholic education. It sounds exciting, and, and you, you sound. Like, I will say this: the last time we talked about a year ago, you sounded more tired. Okay. <laughs> you did. You sat up today, right. you, you, it, and it was one of those things. Okay, yeah. we're at the end of the second year of COVID, yeah. or what? Now what? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, this is so good. It's so hopeful. This it's is so, so hopeful. hopeful. And, you know, I've, this is my fifth year now. And, um, in many ways, I feel like I'm just getting started. There, there are so many good things to, to come. Well, I want to thank you for spending your time with us this morning. And if you would be so kind, Dr. Barisano, to give us another word of prayer, maybe for all of the parents that might be listening. Yes. Yes. Loving God, we thank you for this time spent together to, to share this beautiful ministry of Catholic education. And we thank you in particular for all those who support our ministry. And we ask for your blessings upon our students and our parents. Please guide them, Lord. Please continue to bless them. And please continue to send your spirit upon us that we may always journey closer to you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and our guest today has been the Superintendent of Schools for the Diocese of Orange, Dr. Aaron Barisano. 
And if you would like to share this very important message, this podcast, you can do so by going to OCCatholic.com and going to the radio tab. And under the radio tab, you'll find a number of different radio programs we produce, including this, our flagship show. And shortly after it's been broadcast, it'll be available for download, and you can share it with anybody who would like to hear about what's going on in Catholic education in the Diocese of Orange this year. Once again, on behalf of all of us at Orange County Catholic Radio, I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week.